Fifth Line, Mike Todd here, in arena host for your Columbus Blue Jackets, and you're listening to the Subjectively Speaking Podcast. And now, here's Jeremy Paul and Laura Norman. What's going on, everyone? And welcome in to another edition of Subjectively Speaking on the Hockey Podcast Network, presented by DraftKings. My name is Jeremy. And I'm Laura. And Laura, before we get started, I have to do one thing that's going to help me get through this podcast specifically. Okay. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> A little ASMR for the people at home. <laughs> Yeah, um, because, man, oh, man, I need a little bit of liquid courage to talk about what has transpired in Blue Jackets hockey over the last 72 hours as we record. So, Laura, before we get into all of the things about our favorite hockey team, even though they like to test our loyalty, um, how are you? How are things going? It's a big week in your family. It's a big week for somebody special in your family. It is, yeah. We talked a little bit about it on Tuesday's episode, but... If you didn't listen to Tuesday's episode, my dad is getting married on Saturday. And so lots of stuff going on. My dad is, um, I'm interested to see how he is on his own wedding day because I know how he is whenever we do any sort of family function or gathering. And he's um, in the best way possible, an absolute lunatic. So um it's gonna be interesting to see what he's like um on a day as big as this one so we we shall see but um no I think we're all excited my my precious niece her birthday is tomorrow um so my Holly Jane will be seven and she gets to be the flower well not the flower she gets to be the snowflake girl at the wedding so she's very excited we got her a gigantic poofy dress to wear and little lace gloves and a tiara (laughs) so she gets you know all the glam so she will steal the show like she will definitely steal the show i was gonna say i don't know who this wedding is more for (laughs) (laughs) true yes his partner or for hallie yeah and she's uh gonna throw snowflakes so we got her like two bags of snowflake confetti and she's going to have the time of her life pretending to be Elsa. Oh, 100 so. And she's going to live into that fantasy for sure. But well, on behalf of uh, Subjectively Speaking, congratulations, Mark. Happy, happy congratulations, wedding day. Congratulations, Dan. I wish I could be there. But, um, but unfortunately, I work in higher education and it is not always kind to me. So... Uh, Passing on all of my love and well wishes to Mr. Norman himself. I don't like that I called him that. Yeah, that was weird. So weird. I don't think I like that. I've never called him that. I've only ever called him Mark. Uh, okay. Anyway, <laughs> how are how are you though? How are how are things for your week? Like what what's what's it looking like? Um, it's pretty good. I mean, Mark. I. <laughs> I like kind of knew that was the answer. And I feel like every time I've asked you that question for the last two months, you've been like, I'm fine. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. Um, No, I, um, we won't get too much into detail about it because I don't want to jinx it, but I did have a very exciting job interview this week. So um, I'm waiting to hear about that. So if you've got any extra like luck or good vibes or 
whatever you believe in, juju, prayers, however you want to think about it. Um, if you could send them my way for this, that would be great. But yeah, yeah. stop stop sending those vibes toward the Blue Jackets and start <laughs> sending them toward Laura. One of them is a lost cause. The other one is my best friend. So. <laughs> <laughs> Who is also kind of a lost cause. But I, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I knew you might take it there, but but I'm glad things are turning up. That's so exciting. I things are pretty stagnant here in the in, in good old. Gr- you know what? What we're not talking about is the fact that I really. I know we talked about it. Did we talk about it on the last episode about how I thought my throat was collapsing? We mentioned it. Yes. Yeah. So I'm moving past that. Thankfully, um, I can still see it in my throat, but that is, uh, you know, what are you gonna do? I don't know that we actually said what you're able to see. I can see my epiglottis in the back of my throat for the science people in the room. And like I read, I of course went to WebMD, decided that I was dying. And thankfully that's not the case. I literally got off of the airplane on Sunday from uh, DC and I just went to the urgent care immediately. Like I didn't go home or anything. And so we're good and we're out here. Um, For those of you who know me outside of the show, you know that I have, uh, I still am, 25 years old and have my tonsils so i just figured it was that but they were like yeah that's weird and i was like yeah thanks i'm glad we acknowledge that that it's a very strange thing that's that's happening to me so yeah because you know that text that i sent you to see if you were home yet which you followed up with no i'm at urgent care yeah and then proceeded with oh hey if this is what i think it is i'm gonna end up being hospitalized good news wasn't what i thought it was bad news hypochondriac listen when you have parental health trauma you can make yourself believe that anything is happening to you. Let me tell you. No, I I understand, I but I also <laughs> I I also want the world to know that I when you moved to Michigan because you have such an inability to do this for yourself, I created a toolbox full of drugs you and did. supplies for when things happen of the common nature, like colds and flus and stomach Mm -hmm. bugs and band-aids and all those sorts of things, because you are the kind of person who likes to torture yourself when you don't feel well Well, and not take anything. (laughs) I just this about myself. So for one, I stocked the other toolkit with the other drugs from Michigan. So I did that for myself. Mm. Two, I don't think I get man sick. I mean, man sick is like if people like know, like, it's the idea of like whenever you get a cold, it's like you're down and out for the count and like miserable. I grew up as a kid, anything would like take me out. Like I was like miserable, but I just like, I just don't ever take care of myself if I get sick. I just literally just keep going. I just don't know how to stop. Like, mind you, as my throat's closing, I'm also spending 12 hours a day doing a conference. So that was where I was at. So that's, I think I avoid man sick, but I think it does exactly what you said. It makes it so that I don't ever take anything if I'm feeling sick. Like I don't ever really take Advil or anything. So working on that. Yeah. My favorite is, oh, I feel terrible. My head hurts. Did you take ibuprofen? Yeah. (laughs) No. No. Something swollen. Did you take anything? No. And why would I, right? Um, if you're like me, let me know, validate me, affirm me. And don't validate him, shame him. No, please do because, because Laura, now you're shaming them. You can't shame them. You only want to, I want everyone to, if we have modern medicine, that is true, take advantage of it. 
That is true. Although, let's be honest, I don't know that either, either one of us is ever always in the fullest position to like boast on modern. No, <laughs> absolutely not. But I can. We don't have to talk about that for me. Um, <laughs> but I can sure as shit tell you a million times over that. That sounds right. Yeah. Well, speaking of things that need modern medicine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, uh. <laughs> wow, I've never seen you become so defeated on camera. I might. This might be the audio. This might be the video clip that we use. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not great. It is like really bad times here. And Laura, I think you and I both kind of agreed. Like analyzing these games would be a lot like putting a toothpick in your toenails and kicking a wall. Like what would we, why would we do that to the people who love our show and love to listen to us? Like, we're not going to do that. You guys know what happened over the course of the last couple of games, tough loss in Pittsburgh, pick an adjective, like mad libs, this shit, like whatever you want to call it, like adjective game against Buffalo. And I mean, nothing short of embarrassing, right. To, to have that happen on national TV and Laura, unfortunately, you didn't watch the game on TV. <laughs> no, I got to le- I got off. to see it live and in person. Oh God, I remember so. when that used to be the Blue Jackets tagline. They used to like, I forget when it was, but it used to be like, gotta see it live. That used to be the Blue Jackets like punchline. I don't even know what it is now, to be honest with you. Like I it used to be there was March with us, like when they were like in the playoff hunt for the first time and like March haha. Like, I think time. it's it's we stand together. What do we do we fall together too? It's also we fire a cannon. Was it good? <laughs> yeah. Well I was gonna say it's a good thing that um <laughs> <laughs> that we don't fire a cannon whenever the opposing team scores because that bitch would have been going last night when the Jackets played the Sabres. So, Laura, I mean, just take us into what it was like to be there. I mean, I know I know that I have some intel on on how you were feeling just from the, the text messages that I honestly might read out loud. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, talk to me about it. All the way from your friend and Santa Claus sitting a section over from you to – having to watch Tage Thompson score five goals on the Dragons. Yeah, I mean, this uh, is one of those opportunities where, you know, I love most of the time any opportunity that I can be in the arena uh, to watch a game. It hasn't been happening as much lately. Um, So I was, you know, pretty excited. The real irony of this whole situation is that I won these tickets. These tickets that Megan and I used last night, I won them because I filled out the Blue Jackets like survey a month ago and won two tickets. And so I was excited because it's like, ooh, you know, tickets. And they were lower bowl. And I haven't got to sit in the lower bowl for a regular season game this far this season. So I was excited. And um we were sitting in 120 so they attack one side um and yeah we were we were pumped the game didn't start till 7 30 so like we had time to go in and get something to eat and meet up with her boyfriend and um i got to see a couple fun you know people i saw little boomer and of course the wonderful mike todd um, and give him a big hug and you know spirits were high 
spirits were high and there were actually like it was a pretty full arena for a wednesday night game like it was pretty full there was a lot of people um and as you said it was on national tv it was on uh hockey on tnt so um so there were even more people watching than normal um across the country so (laughs) uh yeah, I mean it it was nice. Like it was, you know, the first thing the first thing I noticed was that Santa was sitting in a couple sections over from us, so that's always exciting. But then after that the joy sort of ended. Um <laughs> quickly. Yeah, I mean there's not much more to say other than the fact that I've never seen a singular team score six goals in like 12 minutes. Hey, now it was only five and 12 minutes. <laughs> it was okay. 17, but it was five and 12. I'll, I'll give you that then. I've never seen a team score five goals in 12 <laughs> minutes. Um, yeah, I, I can honestly say for the um, almost five years now that I've been a Blue Jackets fan. And we've had some terrible losses that that was the worst game I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm going to say this to you for the first time since I brought you into the fold. I'm so sorry <laughs> for taking you that game five years ago. Like, I'm so sorry. Like, that, like, this is the only time I felt bad about it because that was just abysmal to watch. Like, tell me about, like, so obviously you're there, you're watching it happen and it's a shit show and a half and you're experiencing a lot of feelings. What was it like around you? Like what were, what were folks experiencing? What was the overall just like vibe of the arena? How long did it take for the boo birds to start coming down? Like what, what was it like just overall? Um. So what was interesting is Buffalo is again, another team that travels well um, right, which I've never understood. It's not a far drive, but it's not like Buffalo is a hard ticket to get either. Like, it's not like it is with other teams where it's like, yeah, like Pittsburgh fans. I mean, it's a three, three and a half hour drive. But part of that is also the fact that sometimes Penguins games in Pittsburgh can be a really pricey ticket. And I'm sure that that was not the case for last night's game. So it always just surprised me that Buffalo travels the way that they do to a Blue Jackets game. Right. And I also think that there's probably just a good amount of Buffalo fans that are also Blue Jackets fans. So that when it's the Buffalo game, they change out their normal Blue Jackets attire for Buffalo attire, too. Um, But so we actually I wouldn't say it was a ton, but we did have quite a few vocal Buffalo fans like in our section. Um So it was interesting because (laughs) it's almost, I used this term um, actually in the interview that I had the other day, which you're not going to, no one outside of you and I is going to understand why I used this term, but the word trauma bond, like. (laughs) Oh my. Oh no, now you're talking about trauma bonding in a job interview. (laughs) (laughs) It made sense in context. Um. And also the person, one of the people I was interviewing with was like, I love that term. I'm going to use it and credit you. So, Oh, I love that. Yeah. I actually do think that maybe 
uh, maybe trauma bond is is a really good way to describe our friendship. Like I feel like that <laughs> is a very very key element. Oh no, that makes us feel like if any if either of us ever gets actual real therapy, we won't be friends with each other anymore. No, because then I think we'll use the other one as like the like the person who works through their trauma, like that person can help the other person work through their trauma. Okay. I like that version better. And also, um, I don't know if you forgot, we're Blue Jackets fans. Like we're not <laughs> going to work through all the trauma. Like we're not going to work through it all. The Otterbein and working in residence life stuff, we might be able to get that covered. Being a Blue Jackets fan, this is going to take some time. That's true. So it just... Honestly, the booing didn't start until the end of the first period when they got off the ice to go to the locker room. Because honestly, I think, and Megan and I felt similarly, like, of course, we were saying things in our seats, but like, I had to be careful because there were also small children sitting in front of us. So I couldn't like say what I really felt in my chest. Um, But I don't think it hit any Blue Jackets fans until that buzzer ended at the, or rang at the end of the first period that not only did that happen and that we were now losing six to zero, but that it wasn't the end of the game. It was simply the end of the first period. And so it really just like, uh, it was a sense of shock that that was what we just witnessed. And we just so happened, I mean, I didn't because I don't, I don't believe in doing it in this circumstance, but like the moment they started to go off the ice is when the booing started. And I told you, I told you today that while I don't participate in booing, um, this is probably the first time that I understood why other people participated in the booing. Yeah, that felt like gross for you when you told me that. I was like, wow. (laughs) I'm going to get real concerned when you start actually throwing the boo bird onto the ice. Yeah, I don't think it will ever happen. But, I mean, stranger things have happened. But essentially, it just was like torture after torture. I mean, they came back in the second period and, yeah, we we scored two goals. But Buffalo scored three more. So it was just a nightmare. Like, and it just kept getting worse. And Megan and I were playing this really fun game of how much smaller does the crowd get after every intermission? And it got a little bit smaller after the first intermission. But there was actually a point during the second period where a bunch of people just got up and left. Like, just didn't even wait for intermission. It was also not even, like, in a stoppage of play. Just got up and exited. I mean, it's like it's like Erica Branson said. Like, they wasted everybody's time in that arena that night. And kudos, I guess, to the people who decided that their time became more valuable than 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 sitting in that arena at exactly what like 12 11 in the second period like that kudos to those people cheers to you you're probably not wrong and especially cheers to the people who stuck it out until the end because you had every reason to not yeah it was it was hard it was very hard i've only ever left a game early one time um and that was with you uh a number of years ago and 
we thought that game was bad. Uh, but this yeah, was... I can't promise we would have made it to the end if I was there. You are a better a better person than I am. Yeah. So, That's not I mean... true. I'm also like, and I it shouldn't be because it's my team, right? But what is that phrase from Avenue Q? Isn't it like Schoidenfreud? Like... Schoidenfreud? Something like that? I don't think that's right either. It's something like that, though. It's like the the joy of seeing other people in misery. <laughs> like, that would have probably kept me there just to see how bad it could get. Uh, but... Yeah, I mean, there's, there's really... No, yeah, there's really nothing else I can say about it except for it just... It was terrible. Like, it just was absolutely terrible. I mean, obviously, it wasn't if you were a Buffalo fan, but, like, yeah. it was... A nightmare and I don't think you can other than coaching I don't think that you can point the finger at a specific player even though some coaches want to point the finger at certain players um but yeah it was it was the worst it was honest to god the worst game I've ever seen and it broke my heart a little bit because I, I do love them. I'm going to be here through the ups and the downs. Um, not just because we have this podcast, but I would do it anyway, but it's just, it's hard to watch that happen and have no control. And they had no control. I mean, Patrick said in his post game, like, yeah, they scored six in the first period, but we could have come back and scored six at any point in the second and third period and like really made a a chance to like come back and they just didn't. Well, that's the thing, right? So obviously you go down six, nothing, and then you make it six, two and that's the kind of situation where you know you're not gonna you're not gonna score six goals in one period, but you begin to chip away at it a little bit, and then it just falls to hell. Like it just falls to hell by the end of the period. It's nine two, and it's just terrible. And it's nothing short of an embarrassment. I I can't really remember a game that I felt more embarrassed after having seen than that one. Like that is the kind of game. That even if it was broadcast on Cartoon Network at one in the morning, I would have been embarrassed that anybody put their eyeballs on it. But this game wasn't. This game was a 7.30 puck drop on TNT. It's one of, I don't know how many main like main network games we have this year. I know we have a handful of ESPN Plus games, but those it's are our, like, It's our only national television yeah, game. It's the only one on actual cable television that doesn't require a subscription. And that's what we do. Like, that's that's the impression. We're out here giving New, New Jersey... I, oh, God, wrong. New Jersey Devils fans, like, every piece of ammo to be like, Oh, I thought Johnny wanted to go to a winner. Like, that's what you're doing, right? Like, because Devils fans don't give a fuck about us until they can shit on us for for what's going on right now and Johnny Goudreau. But I, it's just like, you can't do that. You cannot do that. That is, that's embarrassing. That is franchise setback level embarrassing. And I don't mean that in a way that's like funny, ha ha, like, you're being dramatic. I mean, 
that for everything you've done over the course of the last couple of years to try to destroy the narrative that Columbus matters or like doesn't matter to the NHL and like is a poverty franchise and that it doesn't like deserve deserve what it gets right like you're giving a lot of people a lot of ammunition there and it's just pathetic like it is a pathetic show of hockey and i think if if you want to see this team get better like you want answers and you want them fast and we had a couple of folks drop us some questions and we'll get to those in a little bit just talking about just how we think things will move forward but but I mean, my initial reactions as I think about like just the the response from from the team after that game, and obviously, like as we know, a player only meeting occurred for about fifteen minutes after the game. Doors were closed. The media media comes in. They have conversations with folks like Eric Branson, who says pretty much like pretty much what I just said, like nothing deeper than that, really, other than the fact that like it was pathetic, like it was a waste of everybody's time in the arena. And it just simply wasn't good enough. Johnny Goudreau, I mean, he was also like, we're not good enough. Uh, and then you listen to, you know, Brad Larson. <laughs> you listen to Brad Larson and you, and you like can't help but like want to scream into a pillow, right? Like it's just like, I like, I don't know what the accountability is here for like play, right? But like to say that you've – so a couple of things to say that the team comes out and they seem like they were ready to go. They had covered the bases. They had talked about things. Um, and for that to be the performance, like, first of all, you don't have a pulse on your room. If that's the case. Second mm-hmm. of all, I mean, you've got a veteran player and Erica Branson saying that practice hasn't been going well recently for like, that's kind of a no go to say in the media. If you ask me, if you're goody, but I mean, what else do you say? Like, I mean, it is what it is. Like it's that, it's that simple, right? And and to your point earlier about, I mean, I'll be the first person to tell you, like, goaltending is, like, was not really the – Johnny Goudreau said it's been a strength, but Johnny Goudreau, I think, is being somewhat diplomatic in some cases. Like, the goaltending wasn't great last night. That is just, like, the reality of it. Like, there were go- – like, it was just not good. But, but, nothing about that game was good. There wasn't a single piece of that game that was any kind of good. And for for Brad Larson to come out and very quietly, very subtly, throw Elvis Merzlikens' performance in the second period under the bus, even if it's true, even if knowing that Elvis stopping those three shots would have given you a little bit more of a chance, you cannot say that as a head coach. You cannot go out there and put blame on any one of your players. You can't like, it is quite like, I mean, like one instance this season, has he taken any accountability for the way that this team was prepared to play a game and ultimately performed in a game. And he was right to take accountability then, but he is absolutely wrong to push blame onto a goaltender for this matchup. It was so much more than goaltending, incredibly more than goaltending. Right. But instead here we are having this conversation about, the lack of accountability from the head coach here. And I'm not saying that I wanted him to go to the podium and resign last night for God's sake. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is go up to the, go up to the podium and say, this is a reflection of me. This is a reflection of our leadership because it's nothing short of that. It's not. And if you can't be the guy to get guys up for a game against a team that's as good or not good as Buffalo, 
Brad Larson's not the head coach for this team. Like that is that, I mean, that is clear. Like that is the answer to this question. And there's not really anything else more to say about that. I don't think they're going to do anything about it this season because I don't know who you hire instead, but I just don't, I have lost every ounce of confidence. This is officially my vote of no confidence. I've given up on it and I have nothing but good things to say about Brad Larson, the man, but Brad Larson, the head coach, he's lost his team. He's lost the room and he's lost, he's lost my confidence in him as a head coach. Yeah. I mean, I agree 100% and it's also not the first time that we've sort of heard rumblings that practices haven't been going well uh, in it was either before or during um, in and around Finland that Patrick slightly said that practices hadn't been going well and that they weren't doing the things that they should be doing in practices. And, you know, like Jeremy said, having Erica Branson say that last night, like that's a huge red flag. Like if you're not having productive or really great practices, but yet you're telling us that you're, you know, ready and prepared to go out and play, that's just bold face lying. Like that's not productive and it's not accurate. Like if you can't get through a practice with your own team, then how do you, are you expecting them to go out and play 60 minutes against teams that are having good practices, even if they're not high in the standing, they're having good practices. They're working well as a team. Um, so yeah, it just, if I, if I was him and I know that I only have torts to compare this to, um, but I, he should have gone up there last night and fallen on his sword and taken full responsibility for what happened. And yes, it was like slyly that he threw Elvis under the bus, but I am glad that you talked about it and not me because people always make me <laughs> feel like an Elvis Homer, but um he's the head coach. So ultimately that is his fault. His team was not ready. He did not prepare them. And to not stand up there and take responsibility in any manner and just say that, Oh, well we did what I thought we should do. But in his 26 years in professional hockey, he's never seen anything like that. That's embarrassing. And, you know, I agree. And as I know as much as other fans, I know, want to see something done with the coaching immediately. I just don't think I don't have hope that they're going to do anything right now. Because a like we've talked about, we talked about it a few weeks ago. There is no one available to come in right now. And if there is, they don't want to. And not that I don't like Pascal Vincent, but he is very similar to Brad Larson. He has a very similar coaching style. Like, so I don't think firing Lars, we're going to get anything different unless they can tell Pascal Vincent, Hey, this is what you need to change. And this is how we're like, this is how you're going to have to do it. Like, 
but I don't know if they're willing to do that either right now. No, and I mean, at, at the same time, like what, like I said, unless like things are, because here's the other piece. If you're under the impression that like continuing down this path is going to be even more adversely negatively impacting the development of the players that you need to develop the most this season, that's when you make the move. Like if you think that Brad Larson being the head coach is going to really affect Ken Johnson, Kirill Marchenko, uh, you know, I mean like any one of our up and rising, I mean, Cole Cylinder, even Igor Tinikov, even if that's going to be the case, like that's when you have to pull the plug. And it doesn't matter who you think the next head coach is going to be, but if you think that Lars's influence is going to eventually lead to negative impacts on their development, you have no choice because this is more than just this season. It's so much more than just this season. It's it's the future of this franchise, and you've got to act, and you've got to act quickly if we're going to make anything out of this season because, like we talked about even probably a couple weeks ago at this point, it's not the goal is not playoffs. The goal, especially now, it's not playoffs. The goal is – develop these guys as best as you can and that'll keep me coming if you just do that i will continue to be here and i'll continue to watch games but the second that that goes in vain and their development goes in vain i'm done i'm i'm done like i just say you just can't do that but but laura do you know you can do have better odds of the blue jackets (laughs) winning a game Yeah, by, by playing on DraftKings. God, yeah, you said it, not me, because hockey fans light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays, combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. And Laura, the one thing that will always be true about being a Blue Jackets fan is that we always, always have people to commiserate with. (laughs) <laughs> and we are we are especially lucky to have kind of developed and, and cultivated this really cool community of subjectively speaking listeners and fans who who we get to commiserate with. And Laura, you sent out the the call for questions today and you can tell that Blue Jackets fans were ready to talk because we got more than I think we've ever gotten before for this show. And we're gonna spend the last half of this episode really just kind of going over those and and you know we're gonna we're just gonna shoot the shit and have a good time with the rest of this episode. So uh, hopefully hopefully we didn't hurt your ears too much talking about the last couple of days in Blue Jackets land because we've got we've got a good one, Laura. We kind of we kind of worked in one of our really loyal and, and one of our newest listeners, Morgan Bennett at Morgan Lee nine seventeen. That's Morgan L E I G H nine one seven. Uh, we kind of we kind of talked about part of her question already, which was just what was your game experience like. But um, the next piece of her question was, what are some of your best possible interventions for Jack Roslovic? Seance, smudging, holy water, or sacrificial goat? And uh, Morgan, you're funny. You're you're a funny. You're human very being funny. That was a really good question. Um, I. 
don't know. <laughs> I mean, I like I talked about it a little bit in our last show where I talked about, you know, the environments that he's thrived in, but I think the reality is like he's such a streaky player. I mean, you even look I mean, he just is not consistent, right? And I think, you know, what what can you do for a player that isn't consistent, right? And I think it's providing them as much consistency as possible. And to me, I mean, I think our young guys are obviously affected whenever we play Boggle, right? It's like trying to develop chemistry with people. But I I think Jack is too. I think Jack really struggles to not have a defined role. Now, this is not me saying that he deserves a, fi- a defined role, reiterating from last week. Even if that role is a third-line center or a third-line winger, I think he just needs to sit somewhere for a second, whether that's in the press box or <laughs> on a line. I think just moving him around, and I think he needs just the perfect situation. And I think ultimately what that's going to mean is it's going to mean that Jack isn't a blue jacket for much longer. Now the reality of that situation is who's going to want him? Like, you know you have an extra year on his contract left. He's making decent-ish money. So if you're a contender and you think that adding him is going to be a, a value add to your depth at forward, sure. But, I mean – Maybe if this was his last year of his contract, but it's not. Yeah. I mean, I went on my mini Jack Rosselbeck rant last episode. Uh, we also happened to be sitting in front of um, Jack's, uh, I think, biggest hater <laughs> uh, last night as well uh, when we were at the game. Because uh, trust me, Jack was... Uh, doing no good uh he did get an assist but he was just doing no good last night and i don't i don't know what we do i mean i think again like you said it's the consistency situation but in a season when there's absolutely no consistency except for the fact that the most consistent thing is that john johnny is on the first line and more than likely boone is centering him like, it's not even consistent right now that Patrick stays on the top line with the two of them. And I just don't think that we can provide Jack with the circumstances that he needs or wants to have his best performance. But ultimately, again, like I've said, that also comes down to him and he needs to be able to be more adaptable. And to just be more adaptable, like it's kind of crazy. And it's not like he's super new to the league either. So it's just getting very frustrating. And, you know, I think as much as, especially me, I'm a person that loves a a hometown, like connection and story. I am just not in the group of people that think that the Blue Jackets is the best place for Jack Rosovic anymore. And I don't know where that other place is, but unless he can really figure something out, I mean, I know we're probably going to be stuck with him through the rest of his contract. Cause like you said, at this point, no one's going to want him because his trade value is really low, but I just don't think that we're the right fit for him and vice versa. I don't think he's a good fit for us either. Yeah. I mean, I think you're exactly right. I, 
don't want it to be lost on anything though that like I I think there's great value in Jack being a blue jacket for Columbus hockey. Now I obviously don't think that that's any reason that you keep a player or try to find a role for him. I mean, like this is a business you play hockey to win games, but I think, I mean, we spent a lot of time talking about Jack Rosovic as a struggling, struggling to find his place kind of NHLer. And I think sometimes we don't take enough time to talk about like, he does some really cool stuff for the Columbus hockey community. And so just, I want to like name that and like shout that out. Um, I mean, maybe, maybe it's just a matter of, like you said, a change of scenery. And that would be my, that's how you, I mean, I know Morgan to your question. I mean, I think your question focuses on how do we make him better for us? But I think the reality is, is that might, that ship might've sailed. I think it's more so what do you do to, to intervene with Jack? I think it's part ways with Jack. (laughs) Yeah. And I wholeheartedly do not, this is nothing on him as a person or, having him be, you know, Columbus born and raised and on the Blue Jackets because that is absolutely, like, so good for Columbus hockey as a whole. I mean, we see the same thing with Sean Corrali. We saw it with um, the Sherwood brothers. Like, it is always incredible for Columbus hockey when one of the, one of us makes it to the NHL level. And I know there's several more floating around um, in the NHL right now as well. But, and, and Jack does do a lot of really cool things for the community. It's just, unfortunately it's, you know, it's similar almost to with like Max Domi, like it, those it two seasons. Way, yeah. yeah. Those two seasons that we had with Max, like I was the biggest fan of bringing Max to the, the Blue Jackets was so, like on board with having him like just thought it was going to be the best situation and it just did not live up to expectations and you see him now in Chicago and he is thriving like he is one of their better players in a not great season for them either but he is shining through all the muck that's for sure um and so for him, it was definitely he needed a change of scenery. And I think that that's what we're looking with with Jack. But who knows when that will be a thing that we're able to do because he does still have one more full year on his contract and it is a decent sized contract. That it is. That it is. And Laura. We'll move on now to uh, talking a little bit about the future. Uh, so, well, actually, let's kind of keep it on on the now for, for this second, and then we'll go to the second part of this question. Uh, but this one's from Motor City Hoosier. So this is uh, at City Hoosier on Twitter. And so uh, two questions. So uh, the second of their questions, but we'll go there first, is now that this season is becoming more pain than fun, uh, <laughs> What are the things that uh, that do excite you about this season? What things or players or whatever will keep you interested in this season for the CBJ? And I'll let you take this one first. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm gonna go down. I, I will ride this ship for as long as I can. And so I do. I'm a glass half full person for basically everything but my own life. And so <laughs> it. I always find something that I 
like to keep track of or watch or pay attention to in even the worst of situations. And, you know, for me, I really love um, obviously getting to see Johnny adjust to Columbus and like having him have these experiences and yeah, does it kind of get a little dicey when things like last night happen and you're like, please, please still love us, um, which he does. And I know it's, he's here for so much more reasons than just hockey, but I also love seeing the young guys come in and have their, you know, when they do get the time, their time on ice. And, but outside of just the game in general, I enjoy seeing, you know, other people interact with the game. You know, we walked past several people last night when we were in the arena who, this was their first game. And so you could hear people explaining to them like what happens during the games and, you know, the kinds of different traditions that we have as Blue Jackets fans. And, you know, that is really important to me. And also just continuing to watch them do the work in the community. I mean, last night, (laughs) as embarrassing as it was as a game, I mean, there were 900 youth hockey players and their family members in the arena last night to be gifted a ton of money from the McConnell Education Foundation to support youth hockey efforts in Columbus and Central Ohio. And that is such a proud, that was such a proud moment for me. I mean, in total, I think it's like $1.7 million that they've given over the course of, you know, 20 years to building youth hockey in Central Ohio. And that's amazing. And it's that kind of stuff that drew me into being a Blue Jackets fan to begin with was the community aspect and seeing all of these new and inventive things that they're doing to help do more outreach in the community. And so those are the things I focus on in, in these bad times, but I know, and it is always, even though last night was like terrible gameplay and whatever, It was still nice to be there. I got to see so many of our friends. I mean, of course, Megan and Reese were there with me. But, you know, as I said earlier, I saw Little Boomer and I saw Mike Todd. But I also saw Danny, our friend Danny and Kyle and Kyle's sister, Kelsey. Like, And those are people I don't get to see very often. And so being able to be in the same room and not just interacting on social media or through like text messages and stuff, that's you know, that's always going to be a big win for me. And, you know, especially for me, like, as you all have vaguely known, my life hasn't been great lately. So like every time that I get an opportunity to be around people that I love and enjoying, enjoying in quotes, you know, something that brings me a lot of happiness, like I'm always going to be happy and I got a pretzel. So (laughs) that was even better. Sure. Yeah, you got to top it off with with the rock salt for sure. I, I mean, for me, I think, you know, I will say there has been a unique perspective to moving out of Columbus to watch, like, just to continue to be a Blue Jackets fan. Like, that's obviously like, I don't get a chance to go to as many games, right? And so, watching from afar and that kind of stuff, I think the thing that always continues to excite me is like. I do think to Laura's point, it's the involvement and the engagement in the community. And I think more so it's, you know, we've, we've gotten really lucky, I think, to just, just through the work that we're doing with the show and, and just the people we've met, like to kind of just develop relationships with the people that do it behind the scenes, right? The people who are, 
who are really, you know, trying to change what hockey means in Columbus. I mean, the players do it on the ice, but but there are a lot of really, really cool people and really great people who who handle the stuff off the ice, who are trying to grow the game, who are trying to make the game more accessible to people, and whether that's because of the way that they just present the players or just because of the way that they try to engage in different local initiatives. I think I'm just excited to continue to see what brand this team can continue to develop through this really tough season. I mean, Blue Jackets fans are still here, right? I mean, like, a season like this would be, I mean, it would bankrupt some teams, right? And I think I think for Columbus to be such a small market and to still have the fans come out and still do that, I mean, I think overall, like, what keeps me excited and what keeps me watching and what what keeps me excited is is the fact that that there are really good people who are a part of this organization and, and they are really good players. Right. I mean, like, obviously like there's so much talent on this team and at any moment, like at any moment you could turn into a game or tune into a game, excuse me. And you can see Kent Johnson fuck around and pull off in Michigan. Right. Like you could tune into a game and watch Matthew Olivier, as long as he hasn't been benched, beat the shit out of somebody. And you can watch Sean Crowley take out his aggression maybe a little bit too much um, in a game. And th- those are all things that are still fun to watch, even if we're losing hockey games. And and I think the thing that we've always said on the show is it's losing is fine, but like as long as you're competitive, as long as you're trying, and that's, I think, what makes the last couple of games so hard is because it didn't feel that way. And so I think more often than not, we have to remember that they have been competitive and there have been sparks. And this is not going to be another, you know, 50-plus game stretch of games exactly like this. I mean – Players are going to start coming back from injury. Players are going to start really, you know, I mean, we're going to keep calling guys up. That's part of what I'm excited for. Like, let's see what Kroll Marchenko can do. Let's see what a guy like Trey Fixelanski can do if he comes back up. I mean, Carson Myers kind of gotten called up and he's kind of gotten planted on the bench, which kind of sucks. But, I mean, like, throw him in the lineup. Let's see what he can do. I mean, there are plenty of guys down in Cleveland right now who are having excellent seasons that could get a call up. Fuck it, bring up back up a Mill Benstrom. Put him on the put him in the top six and let him play. I mean, like, let's see Lil Boomer get the Emil Benstrom jersey, right? Like, I mean, like, that's the kind of thing that I want to see happen over the course of the next the next few weeks and months. And so that's what keeps me watching the game. But but the other thing that keeps me watching the game is knowing that there's going to be a litany of Blue Jackets talent coming in the future. And that is the second part of City Hoosier's question, which is which player outside of the AHL, which prospect are you most excited for in terms of the Blue Jackets? And Laura, do you want me to take this one first or you got it? You can go first. So I don't know that this guy will ever play for the Blue Jackets only because of Russian issues and like things like that. And and it's always tough to get a Russian guy over here. But I really like watching highlights and hearing about how Kirill Dolzhenkov is doing over in Moscow. So um, he's a player who the Jackets drafted in the fourth round this year, and he's a big man. He's 6'6", listed on Elite Prospects as 6'6", 234 pounds. How you darn going to beat your ass? Like, incredible. Um, he currently in this season, he's playing in basically like the AHL version of the KHL, um, in 26 games, he's got 11 goals, 17 assists for 28 points in 26 games. He looks like he could be, he could be a stud. Like he looks like he could have a good season. He's currently projected to play 50 games in the MHL 
21 goals, 33 assists, 54 points. I mean, that would be massive. And I think, you know, to have a player like that, that size potentially come into the organization with a level of skill like that, like that's, I mean, he would, he would make a big difference if that translates. I think that's a great choice. Um, mine should shock no one because we know that I have a deep love for goaltenders. So, and I know that he's kind of riding the line because he has played some games for the monsters, but technically they want him still developing. Um, but I'm very interested to see how Pavel Kahan, I think is how we're pronouncing okay. it. No, I learned this and I cannot Ooh. remember how to say it. It's not Kahan. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, man. It is Kion. Kion? Kion. Oh, shit. We literally just talked about this on Holy Grail. If, if you don't listen to the show I do for the H, I'll go check it out the Holy Grail on Apple Podcasts. But no, Kion. Kion sounds right. Okay. Pavel Kion. And he's playing in the ECHL, so I will give you this as a pass. Thank you. Um, but yes, he's playing in the ECHL for the Kalamazoo Wings. Uh, I am really just fascinated by him because he is so young and most goalies don't really get, I wouldn't say his level, but getting an ELC offer from the Blue Jackets at his age when most NHL goalies, like, oh, you're waving your hand. Yes. Chion. Chion, okay. Chion, Pavel Pavel Chion. Chion. Which I literally never would have known. No, because there's no H in his last name. Yeah, so it is pronounced Pavel, so P-A is the emphasis. Mm -hmm. Chion. Pavel Chion. Chion. Goaltender. Like me. Dina just said it. You all know Dina, friend of the pod, F-P-H-A-H-L. Um, she said it and I went, who? It's <laughs> like, oh man, <laughs> I'm the beat. Like I write for the monsters on that site. And I was like, that's how you say that. <laughs> Oops. All right. But anyway. yeah, well, thank you for the lesson. I appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, Anytime. but no, I'm just excited to see his development. I mean, he, it's just, it's just interesting for goaltenders. Like it's just an outside of the box, like path. For him to already be be receiving this kind of attention, and yeah, it's not like he's in juniors or anything, but and he has played a couple of games for the Monsters when we had Tarasov um, up with us uh, when Elvis was injured um, and when, before Corpy was uh, ready to play. But I'm just fascinated by him. He's so young, and he may never play for the Blue Jackets, but. I just think it's it's really fascinating to give someone as young as he is. I know I keep saying that over and over again. And he is good. Like, he he is a really decent goaltender. So, yeah, that's who I'm most interested in. I mean, if it says anything, I mean, like, he was playing every now and again when Jack Greaves was starting in Cleveland while, while Daniel Tarasov was still up. And, and, I mean, for Cleveland, I mean, they're, like, roughly – they're hanging around second or third in their division. I mean, and that's also considering the fact that most of Cleveland's blue line has played in Columbus at one point or another this season because of injuries. So, you know, it could be a lot worse in Cleveland. But uh, Pavel Chayon – see what I did? Yeah, him uh, – doing pretty well. So – uh, yeah, I mean, great question there from City Hoosier. We appreciate it. I 
obviously, Laura, I hate to do this to you. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. But you know our good friend, Julie. Uh, she she wants to talk about trades. She wants to talk about what that looks like here for the Jackets. And, uh, you know, at CBJ Finn, F-I-N-N, uh, heading to trade time, I know what uh, – I want to know what trade would be good for us or give us more potential. Like, what would we give and get back? Now, here's what I'll say. The get back hard is, part is harder for me to, like, think about in some ways because I don't really know what what the philosophy is on on some of these players, right? Like, I don't know, like, does – does the leadership see a player like Jake Bean or Adam Boquist as like key fixtures in the future? Because if so, that probably tempers your desire to go after a guy like Jacob Chikrin, right? And so, mm, I don't know. Rumors had it that maybe the Blue Jackets were having conversations about Bo Horvat. Bo Horvat's a UFA at the end of the season. You're not doing, you're not giving up any assets to get a guy who is going to be a free agent at the end of the year because if you think he's going to sign a long term extension with you after a trade, you're probably feeling confident he's going to do the same thing in free agency. So you don't go after him now either. So, really, the only thing that I think this team can bring in right now that's asset driven is, is picks, right? I mean, like, that's the thing. And when you look at this team's UFAs coming up, I mean, Gus Nyquist and I mean, Vladislav Gavrikov, I mean, Jonas Corposalo is in that picture too, but everybody else has got at least another year on their contract after that. You take every single phone call you get on Gus Nyquist and Vladislav Gavrikov at this point. You have to. It's irresponsible to not. I don't want to see Vladislav Gavrikov get traded. That would be sad. I, I like Gavi a lot. But you have to listen. I mean, like, Gus Nyquist, like, again, like, I respect the player and what he's meant to the team and the leadership core, but like you have to listen. And, and I don't know that either of those players is getting you a first round draft pick. I mean, maybe Gabby, maybe Gabby does. If, if David Savard did a few years ago, I mean, you can make an argument that Vladislav Gavrikov could too. And I guess, I mean, at that rate, you can make an argument that maybe Gus Nyquist can, but I don't think that that's true. And so we'll see what happens. I don't think anyone's giving up their first round pick in 2023 though, because they know how deep of the draft, how deep of a draft it is. So um, nobody that I really see as a trade target for the Jackets. I mean, this is a selling team. Uh, so picks and prospects is really, really what you're looking for. And if you think you can get somebody who's really stellar, a really stellar prospect, I mean, do that. Take him over picks because picks aren't guaranteed. But prospects, if you've got a good scouting report on them, they are. So uh, that's my two cents. And, I mean, if you can shed any one of these contracts, like these bigger contracts, if you don't think that Yakov Vortex is going to play hockey again and you want to – if you're able to shed a contract like his to a team like Arizona who needs to get to cap floor, sure. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's going to happen. But, like, do what you can. Set yourself up for success in the future. Yeah, I think I have to agree. I mean, obviously we have – the list of things that like this team needs, like they need a a strong one C center and, but you're not going to get that with right now with what we have to offer the trade deadline. And, you know, we need, I think it would be not that I don't, I lean more on Adam Boquist than I do on Jake Bean as being someone that we continue to ride into the future. But 
I don't think it's a terrible idea to get someone at least closer to the caliber that we have with Zach Gorinsky, maybe more in the defensive line of things. Zach is a really offensive defenseman, but if we could find someone of equal caliber in an actual true D man, like that would be great. And, you know, of course we're never going to shy away from anyone that would, you, you know, bring even more scoring potential to our lineup. I mean, obviously we were incredibly blessed with, with Johnny and Patrick, but you know, no one's ever going to shake a stick at that and say that we wouldn't want someone else too. but those things aren't really going to be options for us when it is trade deadline time because of kind of the limited options that we have and their skill level with Gavi and, and Gus and, you know, people know, I love, I love both of them. I, I really love Gus and have thought he's been a great leader and veteran on the team um, and, you know, Gavi too, but there's been no movement on Gavi re-signing with the Blue Jackets. Like, I don't think, I think either side has not really expressed a ton of, of interest, which is sad. Um, but we saw that with, with Max Domi too. Like, I think they considered it for like a couple weeks and then they're like, Nope, I think we'll just deal with this at the trade deadline. And, you know, obviously he's a great personality and he is a skilled player, but we could use him. And, but I agree with you. I think picks and prospects is the easier way. And then, you know, just reconsider and look at all the options in free agency and in the off season. Without a doubt. And Laura, we've got one from Lil Boomer at Little Boomer <laughs> CBJ. You all know him. Hi, um, Boomer. So what reason would you have, would anybody have for renewing their season tickets next year? I mean, I think at least from my perspective, it goes back to everything that we've said, right? I mean, like, I don't think that anybody thought that there would be points of this season that felt as bad as right now does, but I think we all kind of knew that this was going to be a little bit of what this season was in the sense of probably not a playoff team, probably more exciting things to come in the future. And I think that's the piece, right? Like, I think like that's, if you're asking me why you were new season tickets, I think it's because, well, for one, um, at least from all the advertisers that I see, uh, season ticket holders have uh, priority on playoff tickets. And this team is going to contend for a playoff spot next year. I mean, I – God, it feels really freaking – it's kind of like I'm, my reflex is, like, happening right now on my chest as I say that after just coming off of that game. But, I mean, I really do truly believe that this team is going to compete for a playoff spot next year. And so if you're somebody who likes playoff hockey, I mean, that's reason number one to renew your tickets. I think that ticket is going to be a little bit more valuable next year than it is this year. And you're going to have a lot of players that are pissed off and mad about it, ready to, to right the wrongs and, and change the narrative a little bit here. And I mean, the other piece of this, too, is like I said, I don't know that Brad Larson is your head coach next year. So you're going to see an entirely different – I think you're going to see an entirely different structure to the lineup. I think you're going to see an entirely different, uh, you know, playbook in terms of, you know, you're going to see some changes in the power play. You're going to see some changes on the penalty kill. You're going to see an overall shift in what this team does well. And I think that that's going to be something that's fun to be a part of. I think it's going to be easy to buy into this team. And, and the other piece is like – the the personalities on this team, right? I mean, like you want to be around it. It's contagious in some in some regards, and so um, 
that's my that's my why. I don't know, Laura, if you have anything all too different to add, but I'll throw it to you. Yeah, I think it's we go back to something we harked on here and there, but it goes back to expectation versus reality. And we all know why the season ticket like the season ticket purchases went sky high this summer um, because we signed Johnny Gaudreau. And for people who aren't like steadfast, true blue, Blue Jackets fans could see the addition of Johnny to the team as, oh, we're like, we're doing it. We're going to the playoffs immediately. We're going to win the Stanley Cup, like all these sorts of things. But for those of us who have been in it and who are a little bit more familiar with the game plan or what they've made available to us know that we are still very much in a rebuild. And as much as things like last night suck, like this is the reality of the situation. Is it going to be this way forever? Absolutely not. Like I am in agreement with Jeremy that I think next season. So 23, 24, like we are going to be contenders for the playoffs. And I think that that's an even more exciting like reason to be a season ticket holder. If I had the money, I would be doing it myself right now, even though things aren't going well, because I, you know, it's, it's the belief in my team. And maybe that's easier for me because I'm a one sport person. I only have the blue jackets and subsequently the monsters like to really focus in on. And I know other people are, other you know, have other teams to support and whatnot, but I have faith in this team and I have faith in this organization that we are going to overcome this circumstance currently. But I think for the people, and I know it's been all over social media, people, you know, I'm canceled. I'm not renewing my season tickets. I'm not doing this or the other thing. I think that's kind of brash to do after, you know, we're still under 30 games for this season. Yes. Last night was terrible, but it's just kind of a, I think a, a two jump to conclusion scenario. I mean, do whatever you want with your money. Like if you don't want to pay again for season tickets, like absolutely do whatever you want. There's going to be someone else behind you that will happily pay for your seats. Like I'm not really super worried about that. Like, yeah, obviously we're not in a circumstance like Tampa or the Rangers where you have to be on a wait list for three years before you can get season tickets, but there's going to be someone there to take your seats. Like I'm not concerned about that, but I don't know. I think it's a little bit more and it's going to sound cheesy. I think it's a little bit more about, do you have faith in this situation or not? So again, do what you will with your money, but if you have the faith and you want to see it through, it does not hurt to keep your season tickets because you might really be regretting it at the end of next season when we're headed to the playoffs and you can't get tickets like, or you're getting tickets yeah. in seats that you don't love, like stuff like that. Um, and also I've just seen this like a little bit, but if you're upset with like <laughs> the things you get as a season ticket holder, that's what your reps are for. Like if you're upset with like circumstances, like, call your rep and talk to them about it. Don't yell and be a Karen about it because obviously they can't make the ultimate decisions. But if you are upset about something or have a suggestion for something, like 
call your rep. They're there to listen to you and take suggestions. And from what we know and from what limited things that we've worked with with the team, like they're always open to suggestions. I can't guarantee oh, you yeah. that they're going to like take them, but they're always open to listening to them. And I know it doesn't feel that way sometimes, but like a lot of the people that work in the back, in the front office from the, like that standpoint are fans themselves. So like they want to be doing the best they can. So you have a voice and an option. It's as easy as a phone call or an email to your representative and you can say your piece. So I don't know what's included in packages. So I don't know. I've just seen it on social media that people are mad that they aren't getting certain things, but it's easier to send an email to your rep who could actually maybe do something than it is to just like spout it out on Twitter and hope that they see it. And, and honestly, they might see it. They're actually pretty active on Twitter too. That's the other piece too. Like these reps, yeah. I mean, they're like pretty human. Um, and so, I mean, I've never had a bad experience with a season ticket holder rep in the time that I was a season ticket holder. And I think I was a season ticket holder for f- six years before I moved up here. Yeah. Five years. And so, I mean, reach out to them. I know that it doesn't always feel like you're getting the access, but also keep in mind, right? Like, of course, COVID affected some things. Um, but, but yes, all that is to say, if, if you want to renew your season tickets, feel free. And if you don't, like Laura said, spend your money how you think is fit. Invest in the things that you believe in. Um, okay, so Laura, got a couple more here. We're a little bit over an hour already, but really good questions. The folks did not disappoint. Um, I think this is fun, so I think people will like listening to it. I do too, I do too. So let's talk about some accountability. So um, my answer to this is pretty short. Okay. <laughs> It's a pretty big concept of a question, but my answer is a little short. So this is from our good friend, the good Reverend Rodriguez at Rev Rodriguez 924 on Twitter said, I'd like to know if you believe if there is any accountability happening within the organization. We've heard a billion times over and over again. It's on me. It's on us. But at this point, those phrases just feel hollow. And I personally don't see anything changing. Um, I mean, I think I, are there plans for accountability? Perhaps. But I think your point specifically about not really seeing anything change, like I don't know that there's any midseason accountability here. Like I don't – I'm sure there are conversations happening, but but to me, right, like a conversation is step one. If you don't see any improvement, right, there has to be other forms of accountability. I think that in some ways the coaching staff has exhibited methods of accountability by, by scratching players – trying to get them to, to you know, see the game from a different perspective and give other guys an opportunity and kind of just, like, showing people that, like, obviously nothing is a guarantee and those kind of things. I mean, that all, there's some accountability happening there. But I think when you look at a higher level, like, I don't think there is really. I don't think, like, there's no visible accountability, I guess I should say. We don't know what happens behind a closed door. But, but I don't see any visible accountability, and I hope that that changes at some point. But also at the same time, like, we're not in the rooms, like, and I don't know that we'll ever be let in the rooms. And I don't just mean we as like the podcast, but I mean we as fans. And so I, I mean, you hope that accountability follows, but right now I don't see it. Yeah, I think I can just say um, I agree fully with that. So um, 
yeah, there's not really much there. And there's not going to be much in, in that's being told to us as fans at this point. Like this is very much so a closed door conversation at this point. Um, we may hear some things depending on how um, the rest of the next probably month and a half goes um, over the course of uh, the rest of December and into January as we get towards the um, all-star break. But yeah, it, I think it's all very being played very close to the vest. Um, and I know that that can be frustrating, especially I know I find it frustrating when, you know, post-game interviews after games like last night, not with the players. The players were very real and very honest and diplomatic, but, you know, you want to hear more things from the coaching's perspective, and you don't really ever get that from Brad Larson. He plays it very close to the vest and, you know, very vague and always sort of silver lining. But when you're angry and you want to see better, you want to hear more and you want to feel like you're more not involved, but like feel like you're more up to date on what is happening. And, you know, Yarmo is the kind of GM too, that he definitely does not feel like he needs to be sharing information with anyone outside of his own team of people, unless it's absolutely necessary or it's big enough and ready for him to share. So um, he's not going to, you know, like I said, he's not going to be putting stuff out there that's not necessary for fans. And yeah, that can be frustrating, but you just have to hope um, that in this case too, that the players are also stepping up and demanding things like demanding more of themselves and more of each other. And if it is a coaching situation, like they're demanding more of their current coaching staff. Like these guys are making millions of dollars. They can stand there and say, I want better from this situation. Like it's probably not going to change right now, but they can demand better of their current circumstances. So hopefully we start to see that because you know that like they don't want to be a part of this kind of situation either like absolutely zero one of them zero one that's an interesting way to say it uh, absolutely minutes into the recording i mean listen it's bound to happen and if anybody wants to judge us feel free yeah <laughs> absolutely none of them came off that ice last night and was stoked like and like erica branson said you know this isn't th something that they woke up today and were able to say oh it was just a loss and you know let's pick up and move on this is going to hurt for a while and it should like it absolutely should because these are the highest of the highest that you can get in North American hockey. And absolutely. I mean, Johnny sort of feigned that he had maybe been in a situation like that before, but Erica Branson and Patrick Line were pretty straightforward with the fact that they've never been in a game that had that sort of outcome and circumstances. So right. they are embarrassed. And this is going to be a real hopeful, hopefully turning point. So you just have to, it's a close, close to the vest situation, but you just have to hope that behind closed doors, people are standing up and the right things are being pushed forward. Well, it doesn't help. I don't think that 
I say this with a lot of love, admiration, and respect for the folks that we know who are a part of this group, but not exactly the world's toughest media market in Columbus either, right? I mean, like, you're not getting these, like, really, like, hard-hitting, like, aggressive kind of questions that that really, like, elicit the response that I think a lot of fans are looking for out of this right now. And so uh, not to say that I would want a harder media market, but just recognizing that that's part of, part of that beast too. But, Laura, we've been talking enough about, like, the hard shit and the, like, not fun shit. So let's move on to some of the more fun shit that we got in this one. So, uh, so we'll start with uh, my good buddy Michael Neff. How's it going, Neff? I hope you're doing well. I miss you, buddy. Uh, asked us um, if you had three uh, free $300, which reverse retro gear would you buy and why is it the jacket? <laughs> and uh, correct, that would be mine. Um, you know, impulsively, I have a, a reverse retro jersey in, in my closet right now. So uh, that $300 would probably go to waste. I think the jacket's like 100 and something. But, but yeah, I, that jacket is sick. Like, that would absolutely be what I'd buy. And if you're letting me keep the rest of the money, probably buy a hat, probably buy a shirt, probably go down that route. It's probably what I would say. Laura, how about you? Uh, if you had $300, what would you buy? Well, it pains me that. As much as I love the jacket, I don't think it would look cute on me. Um, I didn't try it on when you tried it on, but I just don't think that it would look cute, which really upsets me because that jacket is adorable. Um, but what really angers me, angers me about the reverse retro, and I will get to what I would actually get, is there's a hoodie that I loved immediately, but it's only a youth hoodie. And I hate it because they keep putting it in the promo, the promos for the reverse retro stuff, making it look like it also comes in grown-up sizes. But it does not. But it's blue and black, obviously, but then it has red and black stripes on the cuffs of the hoodie. And I think it's so cute. But unfortunately, I would have to just buy it for like one of my tiny nieces or nephews to wear and then live vicariously through them. But I would buy a Jersey. Uh, Cause I actually am a big fan of our reverse retro jerseys. And there's also a couple really cute shirts that came out with the reverse retro line. So that would be what I would spend my $300 on. I respect that. And then uh, let's keep it let's keep it to the, the folks that I spent time with in Finland and let's go over to our good friend Sila. So Sila asked us, um, first of all, what do we want for Christmas? Um, and so very open-ended question there. Let's start there. I mean, literally, like this is gonna sound ridiculous. The only thing that I have on my Christmas list is quite literally that reverse retro jacket. Like that is like actually what I want for Christmas. I love that thing. But if you had to ask me another thing, I'd probably say I want like I want something that makes me feel like more of an adult. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. I think what I mean by that is like I want like like an appliance or something. Maybe or like, like a food prep thing or like a, like a cabinet like storage. Like I feel like I want storage for Christmas. Custom vitamins. I, say again. Custom vitamins, like you know, you get those. Packs I don't know if I'm married yet, 
But I mean, like, I just feel like I need some storage. I want something, some, like, cute storage. That's the other thing. Okay. God, that was lame. Holy shit. (laughs) Holy shit. (laughs) That's okay. I think mine is also going to be lame. I, this, 2022 has just been an absolute garbage fire for me personally. And so I kind of have this right now because... My incredible group of girlfriends uh, put some money together so that I could go and get my nails done for my dad's wedding this weekend, uh, which is just so beautiful and lovely. And if you know me at all, you know, because they've been featured on the show because I like to click them when I'm nervous, but I haven't had my nails for a number of months due to numerous reasons uh all vague and such as they do um so just sort of like self-care situations because i'm very terrible about doing that kind of stuff and like i'm a person that carries a lot of stress and a lot of worry and all that sort of stuff um so i guess it sounds cheesy and lame but like just self-care situation i'm not talking like face masks and stuff like that like i have plenty of that but just like doing stuff for myself that would bring me like joy and is outside of like my essential responsibilities and stuff like that. So I think that would be like treat yourself stuff. Sure. Fair enough. Fair enough. I respect that. And the second part of Silas question is, do you think that uh, players should have individual goal songs and if so, can we think of a player and give him a goal song of choice? Laura, I, you said you were coming into this with a backup. So I feel like I need to go first because in full transparency, I have no backup. Yeah, no, I need you to go first just in case. Yeah. Okay, so my player, oh God, is Boone Jenner. Okay, I'm good are we, then. Are we good? Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I would love it if his goal song was Here Comes the Boom by Nelly. Oh. And then instead of saying boom, everybody would say boon. It's That's a little very... bit of a double entendre with the canon. It's a little bit of that. So that would be where I would probably go. So what about you now that you still get your first choice? Right. But you do have to answer if you think that everyone should have their own goal song. Oh, I do. I think it's so fun. I think it's so cool. I, I love that concept. I mean... It's just, like, different, right? And, I mean, then you get players who, like, never score, just picking the stupidest songs, and then they score, and then it'd be, like, so fun, so funny. Um, yeah, I think I think it's a good time. There are a couple of, of teams that do this. I mean, it's a little bit more popular in, like, the AHL or whatever have you. But, but yeah, I mean, I think the Sabres might do it. See, I was going to say I thought Jersey did it. I thought the Sabres did because, well, and Jersey might too. I think the Sabres do. And if they don't, then they at least made a playlist of songs that their players would choose, if nothing else. So, um, gotcha. So at least we know that, right? Well, we may, I'll go look and see what Tage Thompson's song was. We can play that five fucking times. Laura, <laughs> <laughs> which, who's your player? Well, first of all, should it happen? Second of all, who's your player and what's the song? Um, I, I, as much as I do absolutely love our goal song, I know some people don't like it, but I really enjoy it. But I do think it would be fun for them to have their own goal songs just because it's like a way for them to 
like express themselves. And like, I, as much as I don't care for baseball, I do really love that the baseball lets people pick their like walkout song. Like when they're going out to bat, like, I think that's really fun. So I, I would be open to this concept and it's sad because <laughs> we did just talk about trading him and this may just be like a, a given to most people who are blue jackets fans, but my player is Vladislav Gavrikov. And oh, I know what you're gonna do. This is good. Um, oh, I don't think it's gonna be what you think it's gonna be, though. Go ahead. I would have his goal song be Call Me by Blondie. That was what I was gonna say. Oh, I thought you were gonna say like Hotline Bling or something. Um, no, Call Me Maybe by Carly Ray Jepsen. Oh, but that's not dynamic enough because I would specifically, it would be the chorus of Call Me, like. The second he scored, it would be her being like, come in. Yeah. Yeah. Because his classic, you know, goal celebration for when he does score is the telephone. So, yeah, I would be, I would be in it. That is Tage Thompson's goal song. That is terrible. <laughs> that oh, is terrible. Uh, some other ones, in case anyone's curious, uh, Alex Tuck has Party Up by um, DMX. Jeff Skinner's is I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. <laughs> oh, that's good. These are funny. I will say Owen Powers is hashtag that power by Will I Am and Justin Bieber. That's good. I like that a lot. That is a good one. Uh, Kyle Oposo is Till I Collapse by Eminem and Nate Dogg. And then <laughs> Ilya Lubushkin mm-hmm. is I'm a Gummy Bear. From the Gummy Bears? Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. And it's been great. Love that. I'm on an article that like grades each of their songs. And this one says grade A plus slash F, which is like kind of how I feel about it too. That's hilarious. Um, Kickstart My Heart by Motley Crue is Henry uh, Jokihara used song. Um, Party Till We Die by Mac J and Timmy Trumpet is Zemgus Jurgensen's. God, these names suck. This is how we do it by Rasmus Dalin or by Montel Jordan for Rasmus Dalin. So that's fun. I like that. I think the Jackets should do it. Um, do you want to hear what my second one was? My no, backup? backup. Yeah, I mean, you put the thought into it. We got to know it. So my backup was Sean Corrale. Um, and, and strictly because when he does score, he usually throws himself into the glass. That's his way of celebrating. Yeah. And I don't know the name of the song, but it's the one that goes boom. <laughs> Here goes the. Uh. I know. Ready or not. Is that I not think... Here Comes the Boom by Nelly? I didn't think so. I thought that was different. Hold on. Now, now hold on. Now I'm confused. I didn't think that song was Nelly. Oh, it's not. I'm wrong. We had the same one, though. It's the song, yeah, like the... 
Yeah, that's what I would do for curls. That's the song that I obviously met. When I Googled it, for some reason, it said Nelly. So that's why I said Nelly. Reverse oh. that. So we had the same song, different player. How funny is that? Um, that is funny. So that's a good one, Silo. We appreciate that one. A nice little thought there for us. And then we end it. We end it with... With our OG. With our OG. None other than Dennis. Um his name on Twitter is DK2's Exclusive Private Society. Um, but you all know and love him as Dennis, and he's at Condescending DK. And uh, he wants us, he said, since the CBJ Artillery dropped the ball on this question, I'll ask you. So a little bit of loving shade over there to our boys over at the Artillery. How's it going? Um, said, who would play each of you in a big budget Hollywood movie? Laura, have you put some thought into this, or do you want me to go first? You can go first because I'm interested to see what yours is. I think for me, it would have to probably be Jonah Hill. Mm. Right? I mean, like, I feel the most appropriate and I feel definitely limited by, like, people who, like, have been larger or, like, are larger people, like, I just feel more connected, obviously, in that case. Um, so Jonah Hill is somebody that comes to mind. There are people who are dead that I think I would have loved to have played in. Like, uh-huh. like that's the piece that like I'm struggling with. Um, I like always get them confused, which is terrible because it's just like fat comedian. Who am I like confusing? But um, between John Candy and is John Candy the pl- the person who plays Uncle Buck or is that somebody else? No, that's that's John Candy. Okay, who are you thinking of Chris Farley? Chris Farley, yeah. Chris Farley. Yeah. That's but you did it too, bitch. See, like that's like <laughs> the same, like I think of them in like the same like area of comedy, same timeline, all that kind of stuff, and same like tragic death. And so I think honestly, probably more Chris Farley for me than John Candy, but I I think I'd play fat guy in a little coat pretty well. <laughs> I guess he would play me pretty well is, is actually the question. So I'm going um, <laughs> I'm going the Chris Farley route. But he's dead, so I guess not. Chris Farley slash Jonah Hill. Okay, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I, too, feel limited in the fact that it's like um, there's not a ton of uh, larger-sized actresses, um, but that's because society is terrible. So I actually have like two versions and I wish I could like mold these people together and it would become a person. But I think depending on when the film was based, because she is older than I am, I would have Melissa McCarthy sure. play me. But if I could blend her with Drew Barrymore... I would do that. Work. Because I love Drew Barrymore. There are a couple of women who I would love to play me, which I don't think would work for like the art of suspend, like of imagination and suspending your imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, But I love, like, I think her name is Chrissy Metz, right? Is from This Is Us. Love her. Also think that Melissa McCarthy for me. I've often said that if I ever did drag and I ever, like, was on Drag Race, like, who would be your um, snatch game 
mm-hmm. you know, person. I've always said, like, I feel like I would probably go, like, Melissa McCarthy route. But, uh, but yeah, I love her. So, good ones. That was a good question, Dennis. That was a fun one to end on. So, feel free. I mean, send us questions whenever. I mean, obviously, we like talking. So, ask us questions and we'll answer them. But, um, hopefully, this Q&A provided you with some more A's than not. So, Laura, before we wrap up, is there anything else on your radar? Uh, nope. Just that the when you're listening to this, if you're listening on Friday, the Blue Jackets will be at home again, playing against uh, Johnny Gaudreau's former team, the Calgary Flames. So he's hoping that one goes better. Yep, that's all we can help. After <laughs> all that analysis, I want to do on that game, but. Laura, we'll obviously be be tweeting away while this one's underway. And so tell us where the good folks can can listen to this one. Not listen to this one. They know where they can listen to it. Where can they uh, keep it locked on us during the game? Yes. So you can follow us on social media on Twitter and Instagram at SubjectivelyPod. And if I'm feeling, you know, excitable, I may post some wedding pictures just so people who care can see um, from this weekend. But you can also follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and YouTube at Subjectively Speaking. If you want to learn more about us or get links to all the things that I am talking to you about right now, you can check out our website, SubjectivelySpeaking.com. If you want to support your two favorite hockey podcasters, and get some sweet merch in exchange. You can check out our merch store, subjectivelymerch.com, now featuring all of our current designs, courtesy of our graphic designer, Stephen Kanicki, and is will hopefully be featuring some new stuff in the new year that we're pretty excited about. And then lastly, you can rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, particularly if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. Scroll down, hit five stars. It is our favorite number. And as I always say, we don't know how the algorithm works. We just know that likes, stars, comments, reviews, subscriptions, whatever you want to do, um, helps us get noticed in the hockey podcast charts and helps to bring more people to our wonderful little community. But other than that, we just love and appreciate you all so much. That we do. And until the next time, make sure you take care of yourselves. Make sure you take care of one another. And we will talk to you all next Tuesday, hopefully about some better Blue Jackets hockey. Bye.